Do you feel like you're capable of doing and being so much more, but you just can't break free from the rut? Are you struggling physically, emotionally, and financially and wondering, is this it? Is this all there is to life? Most of us are just surviving, trying to get through the day, but we want to leave a legacy behind. And yet we don't know where to begin. This changes today. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast brought to you by thebecomingmen.com. I'm your host, Ray De La Nuez, and this is the podcast for men on their masculine journey, men who desire to live a legendary life. In fact, today, my guest is Larry Hagner. Larry's the founder of the Dad Edge and the host of the Dad Edge podcast with a mission to empower men to live and lead legendary lives. The Dad Edge empowers men like you to create legendary marriages, create epic connections with your kids, master your personal finances, and then optimize your physical, mental, and emotional and spiritual health to become a leader within your family. Enjoy this legendary conversation with Larry Hagner. Ray, what's going on, man? Good to see you. You know, it's funny because my first tendency is to give you the the quick, oh, everything's good. Everything's solid. You know, you know, I'm busy. Or I'm fine. Uh, but no, man, after listening to some of your podcasts, I've been challenged to use more specific language, right? With, with what's going on. And so I, I do thank you for that. What is going on? Um, everything and anything right now is what's going on. And I'm sure you would agree as you look at the political and, and just what's going on in society, right? Yeah. You know, you're, you're actually catching me at a really interesting time too. Um, reason being is because I haven't watched the news in probably 10 years. Wow. I, I take that back. I, I, me, me and the news for the past 10, 12 years, we've been like, you know, distant cousins, right? We kind of check in Makes with sense. each other, like yeah, Thanksgiving. every month or two, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's going on. Okay, cool. But you know, with everything going on, I've been more tuned, way more tuned, probably overly tuned to what's going on. Okay. And yeah, me too. You're, you're catching me in a really, you're catching me in a, in a season that I haven't been in, in a long time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we owe it to ourselves to be uh, abreast of, you know, current activities, be prepared, obviously, but then, you know, be purposeful about what we do allow in our house uh, and be mindful that, you know, whatever is external, those external pressures don't find their way into um, the heads of our young ones that just don't, don't need that. You know what I mean? Agreed. Totally yeah. agree. So um, Larry, I, I got you on here. Cause you, man, you are just shy of 800 episodes um, on your podcast. And that is amazing. So I, I would have to say, that you are definitely one of the guys that I would want to go to with questions um, when it has to do with, with fathering, fatherhood in general, and just manhood. Um, it seems like you, when you come on the podcast, you don't talk necessarily from this expertise that you got because you've done it all right, but on the contrary, more so because you've made enough mistakes and you're willing and open to be, you know, to be upfront and frank about them. Very much so. Um... Yeah, I uh, I could I could literally fill your entire show with with mistakes and and totally uh, you know yeah th there's been definitely a lot of those without a doubt yeah, yeah. I, I am not a not a guru I am uh, I'm just an imperfect I always say on the podcast I'm an imperfect moron father who just who fortunately learned a thing or two <laughs> a thing or two and, and you know what actually that's going to be my first question I want to know if you could go back for a minute and talk to your twenty something year old self you know, that dude that needed a little bit of help, what would you say? 
And I'm, I'm usually the one who asks a question like that. Now you're throwing this one at me and I've never actually thought of it uh, on my end. So I think I would do this if, if I was just getting married, uh, cause that's about, I was 28 when I got married. Okay. I think I would have sat myself down and be like, listen, man, you're still good looking at 46. So we're good that. No, I'm kidding. There you go. Yep, that's all you, you have. Right. You have something to look forward to. Right. No, but I, th- I think what I would say is like, listen, um, I know deep down you're not ready for any of this. And in fact, I know deep down as much as you tell people that you're good, you're fine. You got everything together. You got this smile on your face. I know deep down you have no clue what's ahead of you and it terrifies you. I know that to your, to your core. Right. And you've got this great wife that you just got married to and you don't know any, you don't know any skill sets whatsoever of how to communicate with her, how to elevate intimacy, how to create an environment of psychological safety with her, how to be an empathetic, good listener and not solve all of her problems, uh, how to talk and create space that allows both people to share their needs, wants, and desires in a judgment-free environment. Uh, You don't know any of that stuff. And the other thing you don't know anything about either and that you're even more scared of is you're afraid of failing and you're afraid of being a father because you're afraid that you're going to mess up and your kids will be in the same boat that you are mentally and emotionally. And I think here's the advice I would give. So I'd be like, so here, here's the advice I have for you, my man. You're always so eager to learn new things. You know, you, 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 you love your job and you're always so eager to be trained. You're always so eager to get feedback. When it comes to your hobbies, you always want to learn how to be better, how to be faster, how to be fitter, how to be this. How to be that. And you just take in all that information and you're very curious about it. But you're stubborn as a mule when it comes to marriage and fatherhood because you think for some crazy reason that you should have this figured out with no help whatsoever and you should just navigate flawlessly. Well, that's not the case. And if I'm giving you any advice, it's pick the right friends and people to be in your life. That is huge. Number two, don't hesitate to ask for help because you're going to need it. And look at marriage and fatherhood just as anything else. You know, Ray, you're, you're in the military. I can only imagine if the military was like, Hey, from now on, it doesn't matter what branch you're in the Marines, the army, air force, Navy, we're not going to have any training anymore. If you want to be a soldier, a warrior, uh, just show up. We'll give you your, we'll give you your fatigues. We'll give you your firearms. Um, we'll send you over. You know, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Best time you've seen movies, best time your whole life. You'll figure it out. Right. And we don't expect that in the military. We don't expect that in our professions. We don't expect that in anything, but for some crazy reason, we expect that in our marriages and we expect that in our relationships and we expect that with our parenting. And by the way, if you do ask for help, you're weak. Mm. So I think what I would do if I was talking to myself, I'd be like, everything I just said, stop telling, stop telling yourself these lies. You're going to need help. You're going to need to learn some skills. So go out and learn these skills like you've learned anything else. I think if I would have had, that type of direction when I first got married, I think I would have had light bulb moments like, Oh, that makes total sense. But Mm -hmm. I was still under the impression that no, I'll figure it out. I need to figure out this is what everybody does. So I guess I'll just, I'll just wing it. Right. Which was really frustrating. Man. And, and it's so funny how we just gamble like that. We just wing something as serious as marriage, as serious as, you know, one of the most important relationships of your life. 
And I, I mean, I see that on a daily basis in the Marine Corps, we have a very high divorce rate, very high turnaround rate yeah. in spouses. Um, and that's a weird thing to see because we really step out into this, you know, thing called marriage, marriage, we get, uh, on the, on the marriage bed, you know, just peeling back the sheets and already, you know, it's, it's almost like, Hey, tap, tap, tap Amazon, you know, 30 day, you know, return policy, take it back. Right. So, man, I feel like you just told my story to be honest. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm actually shocked. And the only thing that I think was different was that you said you were 28 yeah. And I was 21. So really what happened is <laughs> your prefrontal cortex was at least completely developed. <laughs> Mine wasn't. So my wife legit called her, her uh, mom, you know, in the first few months of our marriage and said that she actually was concerned that I had fetal alcohol syndrome. Oh my gosh. And she asked me, right. Like she asked me to ask my mom if she ever drank in the womb because, while I was in the womb, because she thought I was that like, just not congruent with reality. Right. And, and she grew up with somebody with, they adopted somebody in the family who had fetal alcohol syndrome. It's like, you're definitely showing some of the signs. And I'm like, wow, no, no I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a screwed up guy. <laughs> it's just, who never had an example, uh, who thinks that, you know, marriage and, and relationship is supposed to come natural to me. Um, and I'm trying to do my best here. And, you know, really from that came an understanding that in my entire life, I never tackled anything unless I was 100% positive that I was going to win in everything. I had to be naturally good. And if I wasn't, I would just avoid it. So when I got into marriage and I realized I wasn't naturally good, man, I was, I was pissed. I can yeah. only, I mean, that you just summed up what I think a lot of people, what a lot of people feel, you know, even at 21, right. That, that's, that's obviously it's, it's young to be married and, uh, yeah, still a lot of grown up to do and all that, but man, there are a lot of people that wait until they're in their thirties and they still, we still don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it is a total journey of learning. Right. right. And a lot of us, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this is like, I, I quote like military training quite a bit, right. Of, of all the rigorous training that you guys have to go through, go through to go out and do your job. And you know, I, I had a, I don't know if you're a UFC fan or not. Oh yeah. Yeah. So do you know Frankie Edgar? Yes. Yeah. So Frankie Edgar, he came on the podcast. I was on his podcast. He and I were joking about this, right? Cause it's, it's just so it's, it's so odd. Like I never used to feel this way, but it's very odd that we look at marriage and parenting through the lens of, Oh no, 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 don't get training. Don't ask for help. Cause then you're mm-hmm. broken. Your house is burning down. People will know that there are problems in your marriage. You know, everybody's got problems. Yeah. Everybody has, nobody has this figured out. Right. And, but so Frankie Edgar and I were talking, he's 145 pounds. I'm 185 pounds. And I was like, you know, I was like, it's crazy that, you know, here you are, you're in the UFC hall of fame. You have spent the most amount of minutes of any fighter who's ever stepped in the cage. Right. He has spent the most amount of minutes. And if I were to step in the ring with you right now and be like, Hey, yeah, I've watched it on TV. I want to be a fighter. It sounds cool. Yeah. You know, like I, I think this is really enjoyable. Right. But and that's all I did. I would be pummeled by you. Right. <laughs> Even though I outweigh you by 40 pounds, I would last maybe 17 seconds. If I'm lucky on my best day. If that, yeah. If that, and here's the funny thing, right? You and the entire world would be like, well, dude, 
Of course you got your butt kicked. Like, did you expect anything less? Did you train for it? Did you learn even how to defend yourself? Yes. Well, no. Well, what did you think was going to happen? But for some crazy reason, when it comes to navigating our relationships under our own house, that's how we go in. Like, and that's what, that's like the stigma that society almost puts you up against. Like you better not be going to counseling because then you got problems yeah. or you better not be getting a coach or a mentor because then you got problems. Or if you don't have, you know, it's like, oh, it's, we judge ourselves and, and we feel that we're going to be judged. But the minute that, I mean, how reassuring would it be if I were to, actually, it wouldn't be reassuring to fight Frankie, but if I did, I'd be like, you know what, Frankie, give me six months to at least figure out some self-defense moves to train. Right. Then it's like, okay, I know some skills. Maybe I'll last 21 seconds instead of 17, but at the very least, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in more prepared because I'm oh, yeah. going to know what might be coming. I'm going to know when he does this, I can do that. Or when I do this, maybe I throw a punch like this or whatever it is. But oh, yeah. learning those skills, right? It preps us. It, it gets us in that mindset and that state of like, okay, now I have some skills. Now I know how to navigate a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we have uh, doctrinal publications in the Marine Corps that shows how it is that we fight and we train. And in there, uh, it says that the whole purpose of, of training, right, is to prepare, to prepare for combat. So all training should be um, geared towards that. And the more that we sweat in training and in peacetime, the less we bleed in war. Yeah. And I think if we actually took that and applied that into, you know, just young adulthood before you got married, before you became a father, like actually think about that before, man, I, I yeah, maybe we might only last seven seconds more, but we, like you said, we would be much better prepared for the challenges ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about that. I mean, we were, I was talking about this with another podcast guest. We were going over statistics and the majority of people, I don't know the statistics. I could make them up because I have heard that 80% of people actually do make up the statistics that they make up. So like, there's another statistic. <laughs> like that one? <laughs> like that one. That one I think is legit. But, um, you know, if you, if you really think about it, think of the amount of time, hours, energy that goes into planning the wedding day right? That's yeah. a lot. Now think here's, here's how you stop like a couple in their tracks. Like, Hey, how, how many, how much time do you take planning your wedding? Oh, like it was like 18 months, right? The photographer and there's this and there's that and then all this other stuff, right? How much time have you spent on, uh, planning for the marriage? And then they just kind of like, look at you like, Oh, not much. Or like if they're part of a church thing, like sometimes like, Oh, we did, some, we did some marriage prep classes. Right. At but then there's like, right. And then there's, but there's that continuing education, right? It's kind of like what you guys do in the military, right? It's not, it's not just basic training. And then, Hey, you're good for 20 years. Like there's constant training, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's constant evolutions of training to make you better and evolve and pivot and, and do all these things. Right. And you know, marriage is no different, especially with three kids. You have three, I have four. So there's, there's new things every day. Absolutely. Well, Man, yeah, we and we call that sustain the transformation. You know, there was an initial transformation that happened um, at boot camp, right? So, like when you were on that on your wedding day transformation, yeah. but to sustain that over twenty years and give those honorable years of service, being a transformed person every day—that that's a challenge. You know, that is yeah. a huge challenge, um, really. But taking up by those willing to accept the risks of leaving behind a 
old version, outdated version, or maybe even just an inefficient version of the self for a better prepared and uh, more agile, smarter, more lethal version of the self. Yeah. And who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want to do that? I I know this is your show, but I just want to cut that part out and like actually like promote it. Like that was, that was beautifully said. (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So I guess, man, we've already dove into so much and, and, and I want to make sure that we at least get three, three common traps that young fathers um, really get hung up on as they, as they tackle this thing called fatherhood. Maybe they had a good example or maybe they didn't, maybe they had a present father uh, who was there physically, but not emotionally, mentally, um, or, you know, just spiritually, uh, or maybe they were just raised by a, a single mother and, you know, they had no masculine uh, role models in their lives. Just in general, from your, you know, man, so many years that you've spent coaching and mentoring men, what have you seen? So I, I've seen that be very, very cautious about the story that you're hanging your hat on because that will, that will dictate how you're going to operate. Right. So I, I came from absolute chaos growing up. Right. I mean, my mom and biological father were married for, I think a few years. They had me when I was nine months old, my dad was gone. Uh, never met him. I had a stepdad from the time I was four till I was 10. He was a crazy alcoholic. You know, there's a lot of chaos going on there. He left when I was 10, never seen him again. I ran into my father accidentally when I was 12, had a six month relationship with him, my biological father. He left again. Uh, My mom dated and married. She married three times total, dated several men in between. Every guy was a toxic, crazy alcoholic. Right. And my mom, unfortunately, struggled from alcoholic as well. So like, if you look at me on paper, like I should probably be in jail. Statistically. Statistically. Right. Um, I mean, maybe that's a bit extreme, but I, my life was not supposed to work out. Um, I had a, you know, I'm sure everybody has, has heard the story of two twin brothers that were raised by the same alcoholic abusive father. You know, one went on to have a great marriage. Uh, he became a great father, had a, had a successful business and, and life was great. The other one, uh, everything was failing in his life. He was broke. Uh, he was not in good health. He became an alcoholic as well. Uh, you know, basically was divorced, you know, walked out on his kids. And when, when asked the exact same question, very different answers emerged from each side. So the man who is successful when asked like, Hey, why are you so successful? He's like, well, I had no choice. I was raised by an alcoholic father and I had to do whatever it took to be successful in my life, to, to learn how to be married, to learn how to be a good, a good role model for my kids, be a good parent and to grow a successful business. I had no choice. And when asked the the kid, the guy who didn't succeed, he's like, I had no choice. I was raised by an alcoholic father who abused me. And so I didn't stand a chance at a good, successful marriage. I didn't stand a chance of being a good father. And I certainly didn't stand a chance of having a successful career. So I really had no choice. We all have choices, right? It depends on which one of those stories, because either brother, they could have both had the same story. They could have flip-flopped. They could have done whatever. But it's really like, hey, what story am I going to hang my hat on? I I say this all the time. If I'm talking to the younger crowd here, right? There are three types of men. And I'm sure you you see this in doing what you do. Three types of men. One is the victim. Mm. One is going to tell you 
why they're not doing what they're doing, why they're not successful. And not only do they tell you the story of why they're failing, but they will actually subconsciously and consciously go out and look for proof. Oh yeah. They're like, they're like, Oh yeah. Like see that. I, I, I knew I couldn't do it. Do you see that? I knew I couldn't do it and I didn't do it. There's proof, right? Yes. Then there's the content zombie. That's all of our podcast listeners, right? Those are the ones that we listen to podcasts, but they don't do a thing with them. They're like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, I like that idea. That's awesome. They get really, really pumped up. They listen to content. Con- they, they actually like just devour content, right? Oh, this is amazing. And then they wonder like, why isn't anything happening in my life? I'm listening to all this good stuff and it's because you're not implementing anything. <laughs> right, right, right. And then there's the executor. There's the one who's like, okay. And the executor has most likely been in the first two camps already. He's just navigated out of them. And the executor looks at content and is like, okay, what have I learned and what can I go do? And what am I going to go do? And I'm going to go do it. I'm going to hold myself accountable or I'm going to get people to hold me accountable and I'm going to go do it. So that's one of the biggest differences I think with young fathers is we were so, we want to absorb so much content and, and I applaud men for that. Like, Hey, if you want to go out and devour like podcasts, like what Ray's doing, like instead of like Netflix, man, do that, right? Mm-hmm. Do that. But at the same time, like if you can grab one thing that you're going to take an action on, like, Oh, I heard that I'm going to go do that now. That's what yeah. makes all the difference. I think in the world right there. Uh, for, for younger dads. The other thing too, is I heard a quote and I live by this quote. Um, and if I could have told myself, slapped myself up by the back of the head when I was married and things were not going well, my first half of my marriage, or when I was a father, it was this quote. And that is the definition of hell is meeting the man that you could have become when you're laying on your deathbed. And wow, yeah. And what a lot of men, I think get really tripped up on is we have all these intentions, right? I have all the intentions in the world to be a good father and to be in my kid's life and to be patient and be resilient and create an environment of psychological safety where my kids, even in the teenage years, are going to come talk to me. And I have all the intentions in the world to build this amazing, extraordinary relationship with my wife where we can communicate about anything. We have friendship. We have partnership. We have the lover's aspect. We both take care of ourselves on an individual basis. We have epic communication where we can tell each other anything, share anything, and it actually elevates our intimacy. And unfortunately, men get really caught up in those intentions. And what we really don't realize is those are, it's like basic training. Those are skills. Those are all skills. Your kid is not going to talk to you about openly about anything unless you know how to create an environment of psychological safety through your own communication. Your wife is not going to want to be intimate with you unless she feels seen, heard, and safe. Those are her three basic needs, right? Wow. And these are skills that, that can be learned. And what I would tell younger men is be eager, be willing to learn those things because it is going to make your journey so much more fulfilling because stumbling around and being frustrated, be like, ah, I have all these intentions, but why isn't anything happening? It's usually the gap is like, haven't learned the skill yet. Like, listen, the last thing I'll say is this, like, look, I, I love, I love firearms. I like firing my, my, I, I have all kinds of firearms but I don't do it that often. And when I go and I take my firearms to the range and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, I got to I have to refresh my memory. And a lot of times, like I have to set my ego aside and ask the guy behind the counter and be like, Hey, can you refresh me on, on the operations of this mm. firearm, you know, for <laughs> safety reasons. Right. Because it's been six months since I've shot it. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah, of course, man, here we go. You got to freshen up those skills, man. I'm just going to go out there and start firing my firearm without 
especially if I'm with one of my kids. Right. So to keep that saw sharpened, right. And to ask for help when we need it. Yeah. I'm so glad you actually ended with that one because I'm just today at work, I'm putting together a letter of instruction for our next uh, pistol qualification course. Right. And this is a yearly requirement. Why? Because as Marines, we must stay lethal. It's not just going and showing up one time, getting qualified, learning the skills, and then putting them in your back pocket. Like, no, you need to take them out, sharpen those skills. But then here's what I wanted to bring up. Never have I ever been to a range, and for, the, for Marines, like the rifle range is a yearly requirement, and seen a master sergeant, a gunnery sergeant, right? So somebody who's seen all types of combat, 15 to 20 years in the Marine Corps, and they're still out there getting in with us. Never have I ever told, seen them tell the coaches that we have on the line, on the firing line to go away. And that coach is usually a younger guy, could have never seen combat. But the thing is, he's positioned at the right place to see what's going on right there in the moment where it matters. He's at the point of influence. Right. And so, yeah, man, I, I love that. You know, you, you gotta be able to um, take your skills and freshen up on them and, 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 oh, yeah. and keep, keep sharp. But you know, I, I, to go back to, you know, your initial point, you know, be cautious about the story you hang your hat on. I think my, my freshman year in college, um, I had a teacher who was so adamant about me getting all my punctuation, my punctuations correctly. And it's funny because, you know, what was happening in, in the college room and I went to college later, um, while in the Marine Corps actually, and what was happening in my life kind of coincided. I kept putting a period where there should have been a comma and she would get on me all the time and constantly mark it. Or and then I would put a comma where there should have been a period. And I did this in life. So I took my story. Well, I grew, my father did not father me. He had kids with a whole bunch of other women and he neglected me, period. Dude, if I would have just been that, that victim, I could have had a completely different story. And thankfully, I got to go back in there with one of those magic markers or magic erasers, whatever, and put a nice little comma and continue that story into, and, and take it to a place where it matters. You know, and, and I've been there, man. I've been there where I've sat in front of people and told them my story from a victim standpoint and be like, yeah, how am I supposed to get this right? Right. But no, that's not what you're saying. You're saying, take the actions that you need, be intentional, be eager and willing to learn, to be coached, to ask questions, to sharpen skills so that you don't stay, you know, left of that comma or left of that okay. period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well said. I mean, that, that's exactly it in a nutshell, right? Is be eager to learn. Yeah. And I, I don't know where it popped up in human history to where like we stopped learning those things. You know, like if you really look at, you know, if you look at, look, look, for instance, of the three basic needs of the husband, three basic needs of a wife. I mean, you can like literally look at, look at this, like from an engineering perspective or like even a systematic perspective, right? You, it's like, yes, relationships are emotional. They're dynamic, they're complex, but they're also, there's skill sets for each one. So like, for instance, a woman needs to feel seen, heard, safe, a man respected, appreciated, validated. Those are the three things. Now think about, think about how this vicious cycle will happen if you don't know what you're doing. Oh, man. So like, it's kind of like showing up at the gunnery range, right? Without being like, how am I supposed to shoot this again? Uh, like, which way do I aim? Like I'm, I'm being hypothetical, but you get it. Yeah. So it's like, 
if I go to my wife, like I know without a shadow of a doubt, especially she's surrounded by five men or is what she calls it. 10 balls. You know? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> do you have any dogs to add into that? Mix? I do, but he doesn't have any. <laughs> but, right. Um, but so she needs to feel seen, heard and safe. Right. So in order for her to feel seen, it, like there's a lot of commotion, there's a lot of energy with four boys and, and, wow. and a man. Right. So like, wow, like I'm sort of the odd man, but just by default, like I'm sort of the odd man out here. Right. Or the odd woman out. Um, the kids, like they're loud, there's a lot of energy, like, and people talk over my wife and like, and the other thing too, is like to feel safe. Like if I don't really know how to love my wife, like my love language is, is uh, physical touch and words of affirmation, right? It's like 80% of men. Yeah. And hers is quality time and acts of service. And what do I want to do? I always want to love her and how I receive love, which is like, hug me, kiss me and compliment me. Right. Yeah. And that's what I do for her. And she's like, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. But at the same time, like that really doesn't make her feel seen and heard and safe. So if I really want to like, Hey, I see you, I hear you. I know you're there. You know, I'm going to do an act of service or I'm going to spend time with her. That's undistracted. I'll put my phone down. Nothing makes my wife feel more unimportant than if she's talking to me and I'm on my phone. Mm. Like, and I, I think I'm listening. I'm not listening. I, I think I'm listening. And I'm like listening halfway. Yeah. So what could happen in a relationship that doesn't know these things is your wife will get resentful. She'll be like, wow, like I really don't feel seen. I don't. And that's not how it shows up. She'll be like, there it goes again. I'm not important or whatever. I'm resentful. So then they'll be like, you know what? I'm going to be passive aggressive or I might withhold affection or I might do this or might not, not that a woman is evil. Right. Cause that will happen to a man too. Cause if a man doesn't feel respected, appreciated and validated, he's going to start doing the same thing. So oh, yeah. if he, if he feels disrespected or, or if he feels unappreciated, he's like, well, whatever, you know, I, I'll go through the motions, whatever. She's getting on my nerves again. She's nagging me. And these whole thing is, it literally boils down a lot to communication and not the other, not fulfilling the other person's needs. Right. Oh, Cause yeah. we don't, we don't know how, cause we try to do it in our own language and not in theirs. Uh, the other thing too is, uh, if you really understand everybody receives like, so for instance, a man receives respect and appreciation and validation through different modalities, right? Oh, and yeah. it's, it's, it's individualized. And the same thing with her, like my wife, she always tells me, she's like, one of the coolest acts of service that you can do for me is when I go out with my friends, like, and not, and I'm not mom. Like I can go out, I can have happy hour. I can talk to my girlfriends. I can laugh. I can joke. And I come home so recharged and I feel so good because I got to recharge and I wasn't around four crazy boys that all I want to do now is love on you. Yeah. Right. That's like the keys to her heart is yeah. like giving her a break. And, um, but if we don't know that we can't fulfill those needs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Would you say then that maybe one of those common traps, um, is that we start to believe, well, she's not doing it for me, so I'm not going to do it for her. Which oh, yeah. then that means that she doesn't do it for you. So then you don't do it for her. So there's this cycle that you're in and right. I, I, I'm getting back to the trap. Maybe as men, we, we don't see that we can actually be the ones, the catalyst to like chopping that cycle, ending it end the loop and resetting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. Like this vicious people always wonder, especially in relationships, like, 
oh, we're going through a good time. We're going through a bad time. We're going through a good time, going through a bad time. Like as soon as I feel like it's good, oh, it's bad again. It's like this vicious cycle, you know, of like highs and lows. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you, communication is another key thing because men and women communicate very, very differently. So like one of the things that we teach our guys is, you know, using a skill set called tactical empathy, which that's more or less a skill set that's really famous with Chris Voss, who wrote the book, Never Split the Difference. He's a former FBI. He's the chief hostage negotiator for the FBI. Wow. Um, but tactical empathy, the skill set does that very thing, which is allows someone to feel seen and heard. So like, for instance, I'll, I'll give you, this is happens every day in every relationship. So my wife will come to me and she'll be like, Oh my gosh, I had this horrible day today. The kids are driving me crazy. Like, uh, like the house is an absolute mess. Like it's just driving me nuts. And a guy will usually be like, um, well, I don't know why you're so upset about this. So here's what we're, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we'll get the kids together. We're going to clean up the house and you know, I'll make sure that whatever, whatever the kids did today to act out, I'll make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. So we go right into Mr. Fix It. And the other thing too is like, we wonder like, why is she so upset? It's not a big deal. Like some of us are like that. Yeah. Um, Tactical empathy, literally it's this simple, but it allows someone to feel very seen, very heard and very validated. And you don't have to solve any of their problems. So if my wife comes to me and says, oh my gosh, I had the craziest day today. The kids were acting out like, so here's a perfect example. My wife just texted me about 15 minutes before we got on this podcast. She's very, very frustrated because she just heard that two, the, the two littles, our little kids, the seven and five-year-old are on a modified quarantine. She's like, I'm so tired of this. I can't believe that they're, you know, they were exposed. It's close contact. They got to wear a mask at school now. And I'm so tired of this and whatever. And the way I responded, like, I wanted to be like, oh, that's not a big deal. They can still go to school and wear masks. Like, it's fine. Yeah. That would have made her feel totally invalidated. I'd be like, man well, that's really overwhelming or, or that feels heavy. I, I know you're frustrated with this, right? It's, it well, is very, very frustrating, right? To know that our kids have to wear masks at school now. And I can understand how you feel that way. Now, what I did in that moment is I, I just said, sounds like you're frustrated. So I labeled that emotion that I think she's feeling, which when you say like, Hey, it feels like you might be frustrated. Like when people, when people receive that, they're like, yeah. Cause at the end of the day, a lot of times they just want to be heard, especially yeah. wives. And in no, in no point did I say, well, here's what we're going to do. And here's the strategy behind that. But if she asks me for strategy or advice, I'll give it to her. Or sometimes I'll just say, say, Hey, I'm here to listen. What's the best way I can support you right now? What feels right? Do you want me to listen? Or do you want to talk about solutions? What feels good to you? Yeah. And she'll tell me like, literally it is that easy. But a lot of times what we do is, is we, we push them and push them in a corner and say, why do you feel this way? It's not a big deal. Like, who cares? They go to school with masks. It's not that big of a deal. Don't get angry right, about it. Right. And they, they feel like crap, right? Yeah. Man, you're, you're really hitting a pain point here because I'm yeah. in a job all day long solving problems. I'm a logistics right. officer, right? right? I solve logistical problems, which is, by the way, the hardest problem in all of warfare is how we're going to get to the fight, right? Yeah. And I go home. My wife's trying to tell me how homeschooling went with the children and how raising two puppies is kind of hard, <laughs> you know, and how keeping together this brand new home that we just got built is kind of difficult. 
And, and yeah, of course I want to fix it. And I think, you know, just to, just to relate to a lot of the guys listening, think about all of the men that go to work to service related jobs. I got a buddy of mine who spends his entire day, 12 hours a day, fixing HVAC, you know, working with heating or cooling. And then he goes home and he feels this internal frustration that he can't fix his own home yeah, or the things that, because he feels like he needs to, but you're, you're actually proposing in another step. Maybe it might be a gentler step, something that's actually more doable. Cause at the end of the day, a lot of times we we're trying to give from the negative, right? Like we are negative, we are depleted in our own tanks. And then we're, we're kind of bothered by well, this, but, you know, this yeah. request from this wife, which really wasn't a request. It was a opportunity for connection, but you're, you're offering a lighter step into what you said, tactical empathy, yeah. where you can just take that extra step into discomfort and say, I feel you. Yeah. I see you. You solve nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's <didn't>, wild. <laughs> but, but you, you actually did and you didn't know it. Right. Mm. Um, that's, that's one of the coolest things about using tactical empathy because it's actually not a whole lot of work if you really think about it. And not only that, not only is it not a lot of work, but it actually makes you a better listener. So mm. like if my wife like comes to me and talks to me about something, I am like, literally, I'm not thinking about how to fix the problem. What I'm actually looking for is I'm looking for voice tone. I'm looking for emotion. She feel overwhelmed. Is she sad? Is she depressed? Is she frustrated? It's always one word, right? Yeah. That's an emotion is one word. Like, what am I actually looking for? And I I'm hanging on every word that she's saying because I want to help identify what it, what it might be. Right. So she feels seen, she feels heard. And the coolest thing is, is yeah, you don't have to use, you don't have to solve their problem. There's, there's, there's one other thing too, that's, it's a bit more on the subconscious level. It's a bit more sniper, but, but I think it's a good skill set. If there's one word to eradicate, and I'm definitely not obviously in in the work that you do, I wouldn't say eradicate, but in relationships within marriage, try your best to eradicate the word why. So because what why does is subconsciously, it puts you on the defense because it brings us back to our two-year-old selves. Why are you crying? Why are you so upset? Why'd you do that? And you know, it's, it's a lot like if I came to you and be like, Hey, Ray, why did you send the email out like that? Or if it's different, if I say, Hey, Ray, I saw that email. Tell me about that. It's the same. I'm literally going to get the same information, but how it landed for you is totally different. Right. So like, for instance, if your wife, like when my kids come to me and they're like, Oh my God, dad, I had a horrible day. Oh, really? Well, tell me more. I don't even say, why did you have a bad day? I'd be like, why'd you have a bad day? Even that sounds a bit condescending, but I'd be like, oh, tell me more. Tell me what happened. And so one is a push, right? Why? Why did you, why do you feel that way? And the other one is an invite. Tell me more. Let's hear more. Yeah. So that, that that really helps oil the skids a little bit more with communication, makes it a little bit more smooth. It feels better to the other side and it feels better for you because someone feels invited. So they're going to tell you more. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of seems like one of those sneaky moves, um, from jujitsu, you know, where like, you don't think that anything's really happening. You're kind of, you think you're in a limbo, but now somebody's setting something up and it's not, you know, sneaky for, you know, really the term sneaky, but it's like, no, it's intentional in a way that's not so direct. You know, you're not just trying to face this, uh, this 
external problem or pressure or making somebody else seem like that, but it really, you're just inviting them into more, you know, something else. Yeah. And that, and that could just be an opportunity to share, to go deeper, to really identify what that one word emotion is. And I, I, I guess if I could go back to my 21 year old self, 21 in one day, that's how old I was when I got married and say, Hey, you need to do that more. I'll be honest, man. I, I, I would not listen. <laughs> I, I wouldn't see the value in it because I'm, yeah. I'm so stuck in my mindset of like, no, I'm just going to get things done. Like if she wants to, uh, you know, communicate something that she should just be straight up. Yeah. Right. But what do you have to say to that guy? Yeah. That's, jerk. Right. That's not, that's not how women, I mean, first of all, I think you have to acknowledge and appreciate the differences with men and women. There right. You go. Yeah. Women talk to each other and they, they talk, right? And they talk because they want to connect with each other. They talk yeah. to us because they're not looking for you to solve their problems. Sometimes they are. And sometimes you just have to clarify like, Hey, what, what, what would you like, to, what would you like to do here? Yeah. You just want to, you just want to talk or do you, do you want to talk about solutions? Like what feels right to you? And I always say what feels right to you versus like, what do you want to do? <laughs> Cause again, it's, it's another thing that doesn't land very well. Like what yeah. feels right to you? Cause it's more of a curious tone, right. Versus like, what do you want to do about this versus right. more like that's again, that's condescending. So like, if I come to you, Ray, right. And I'm like, Hey man, I have a question or like, Hey, I got this going on. I'm not looking to vent I, as a man. I'm like, dude, this is what's going on for me. What should I do? Like, that's why I'm coming to talk to you is because I want you to give me advice. I want you to give me options. I want you to see what I maybe can't see. Yeah. And, and women don't operate like that. They, they are doing it strictly not for you to solve problems, but just to connect with us. And when we go right into problem solvent mode, what we're doing is the very thing that we don't want to do, which is be disconnected from them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is, is that, you know, for the guys, this, that's a great question for the guys who are like, well, that's not how I operate. You know, this is how I operate. This is I'm stuck in my ways. Okay. Well, great. Well, do you want a mediocre marriage or do you want an extraordinary marriage? The choice it. is yours. You know, you, you don't go to, China and speak English, you know, if they don't speak, if they don't speak English, you've got to learn how to speak Chinese, right? If you want to communicate, marriage is no different. You've got to speak that language, right? And she's, you know, the cool thing about learning skills is it's not just on the, on the man, right? The, the women need to be willing and open to learn this stuff yeah. too. Like, like my wife, I mean, she knows the keys to my heart. Like when I'm stressed out, like all she has to do is touch me. And I'm like, oh, all problems go away. Right. And that's not even her love language. Touch is not her love language, but she'll do it for me because she knows like, oh, I see this, this is his language and this is how I make him feel better. So I think you've got to be very, very purposeful. Both sides have to be willing to be like, okay, I'm not going to do what I default to do. I'm going to do what, what needs to be done. Wow. Larry, you have workshops, um, you have masterminds, you have resources. Yeah. Where can guys get a hold of you and get a hold of everything that you're doing? Yeah. So everything you can, everything we're doing is, you know, you can find everything we do, all of our podcasts and resources over at the dadedge.com. Uh, on the homepage, if you scroll, scroll down, uh, you, you'll find a link that says 21 days to an extraordinary marriage. What I can tell you is in our mastermind, we, we have men that apply for that. I I'm trying to give you the, the easiest thing for your, for your audience to key in on eight out of 10 men who apply to be a part of our mastermind, they check the box of, I want to create a legendary marriage. Out of five choices that we give them, create a legendary marriage happens eight out of 10 times. Mm. So 
we, I developed this email, this email sequence over 21 days, which helps men hone three skill sets with three challenges. So elevating communication, some of the things we talked about today are in that email of like, Hey, this is how you use tactile empathy. This is how you listen. The other thing too, that we didn't cover is generative questions. Most, and let me just share this really, really quickly as we close yeah, up because this one's super important. When you go home and ask your, when you go home and you see your wife, what do you ask her? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot and I realize that, but I'm going to ask her, babe, how was your day? How was your day? Yeah. What did she say? She didn't say, ah, it was okay. It was a little tough with the kids, but, and then yeah. tell me whatever. Okay. So now how was your day? Normally we'll get one word answers, good, fine, busy sometimes, or if, if they go into dialogue, what a lot of people will do is they'll go into the most challenging part of their day automatically, mm. especially for a mom who's raising three boys, the dogs, new house, and all that. But if you go home and you look at her, you give her a kiss and you say, what was the best part of your day today? Tell me, tell me why it was so meaningful for you. Right. And even in that voice tone, where you, where you genuinely care. I'm not talking about being robotic. I'm not talking about like, this is a script. Like, Hey, tell me about the best part of your day. Because if you really get to the mind and heart of men, they're like, dude, I just want to connect with my wife. Like, I really want to connect with her. I just don't know how, like, what was the best part of your day? Tell me about it. You know, what she's doing is, is you're bringing her to a high point moment of her day. And she's sharing it with you, which is going to elevate her energy and her connection to you because now she's connecting a high point moment that she gets to share with you, which now she feels good in that conversation. Wow. Right. So that's connection. And then that's where you can start to use tactical empathy. Wow. I can understand why that was so meaningful to you. I know that you have been trying to get together with Sally for quite some time. You guys have felt really, really disconnected. What are you guys going to do tomorrow? Or, Or just something like that to continue the conversation. Yeah. Um, so that generative questions are big. The other thing too, is in that email, in that email sequence, I give you 25 generative questions to ask her when she, when you're on a date with her, technically in a one hour date, you should only get through five. Yeah. They're conversation starters, but most people don't understand the power of questions. So like, for instance, if a lot of people are like, yeah, I asked my wife how her day was. If you were to take your wife out on a date, and this is just an example and be like, you know what? I've been thinking about something. If you and I were celebrate, if you and I were on our deck 20 years from today and we were looking at the sunset and we had our favorite glass of wine in our hands and we both held up our glass and we cheersed to an amazing life that we had created over the next 20 years, what happened that hasn't happened yet? Now, with a question like that, what you're doing is, is you're getting her out of her current state of mind. You're bringing her to a future generative question. So she's got to think about the future with you and all the amazing things that she wants to do with you. And then she's going to tell you about them. So those types of questions are, are intimate. They are highly connected, right? I mean, your wife will look at you like you were the only person in the room. If you're at, if you are genuinely curious and you're not going through these questions robotically, you're like, Hey, I want to get to know you more. Right. Um, but that's another thing. So 21 days to an extraordinary marriage. It doesn't cost a thing. It's totally free. If guys want to just refine a few marital skills on how to connect with their wives, how to elevate intimacy, how to have more and better sex, all those things that come with it. Um, all they got to do is put their name and email in. They'll get the, they'll get 21, they'll get 15 emails over 21 days with three challenges in it. Um, that's probably the easiest and thing way. And if you're interested in our mastermind, we've got a page on the, on the website called the Alliance and you can go to the forward slash Alliance. If you want more information about that. 
Thank you.